Hello and welcome, friends, family, and enemies alike, to episode 17 of Reading Cadence. I am your host, the displaced Wisconsinite, Phil Olson, and this week we continue the grind through War and Peace. And in case you were wondering, I am committed to this grind. And I will be here come chapter 263. I don't even know if there's that many chapters, but that's what I'm going to say. Let us begin with chapter 6 of War and Peace. Having thanked Anna Pavlovna for her charming soiree, the guests began to take their leave. Pierre was ungainly, stout, above the average height, broad, with huge red hands. He did not know, as the saying is, how to enter a drawing room, and still less how to leave one. That is, how to say something particularly agreeable before going away. Besides this, he was absent-minded. When he rose to go, he took up instead of his own the general's three-cornered hat and held it, pulling at the plume, till the general asked him to restore it. All his absent-mindedness and inability to enter a room and converse in it was, however, redeemed by his kindly, simple, and modest expression. Anna Pavlovna turned toward him and with a Christian mildness that expressed forgiveness of his indiscretion, nodded and said, I hope to see you again, but I also hope you will change your opinions, my dear Monsieur Pierre. When she said this, he did not reply and only bowed. But again, everybody saw his smile, which said nothing unless... Opinions are opinions... But you see what a capital good-natured fellow I am. And everyone, including Anna Pavlovna, felt this. Prince Andrew had gone out into the hall, and turning his shoulders to the footman who was helping him on with his cloak, listened indifferently to his wife's chatter with Prince Hippolyte, who had also come into the hall. Prince Hippolyte stood close to the pretty pregnant princess and stared fixedly at her through his eyeglass. "'Go in, Annette, or you will catch cold,' said the little princess, taking leave of Anna Pavlovna. "'It is settled,' she added in a low voice. Anna Pavlovna had already managed to speak to Liza about the match she contemplated between Anatoly and the little princess's sister-in-law. "'I rely on you, my dear,' said Anna Pavlovna, also in a low tone. "'Write to her, and let me know how her father looks at the matter.' Au revoir, and she left the hall. Prince Hippolyte approached the little princess and, bending his face close to her, began to whisper something. Two footmen, the princess and his own, stood holding a shawl and a cloak, waiting for the conversation to finish. They listened to the French sentences which to them were meaningless, with an air of understanding but not wishing to appear to do so. The princess, as usual, spoke smilingly, and listened with a laugh. "'I'm very glad I did not go to the ambassadors,' said Prince Hippolyte. "'So dull. It has been a delightful evening, has it not? Delightful!' "'They say the ball will be very good,' replied the princess, drawing up her downy little lip. "'All the pretty women in society will be there.' 
Not all, for you will not be there. Not all, said Prince Hippolyte, smiling joyfully, and snatching the shawl from the footman, whom he even pushed aside, he began wrapping it round the princess. Either from awkwardness or intentionally, no one could have said which, after the shawl had been adjusted, he kept his arm around her for a long time, as though embracing her. Still smiling, she gracefully moved away, turning and glancing at her husband. Prince Andrew's eyes were closed. So weary and sleepy did he seem. Are you ready? He asked his wife, looking past her. Prince Hippolyte hurriedly put on his cloak, which in latest fashion reached to his very heels, and stumbling in it, ran out into the porch following the princess, whom a footman was helping into the carriage. Princess, au revoir, cried he, stumbling with his tongue as well as with his feet. The princess, picking up her dress, was taking her seat in the dark carriage. Her husband was adjusting his saber. Prince Hippolyte, under pretense of helping, was in everyone's way. Allow me, sir, said Prince Andrew in Russian, in a cold, disagreeable tone to Prince Hippolyte, who was blocking his path. I'm expecting you, Pierre, said the same voice, but gently and affectionately. The postillion started. The carriage wheels rattled. Prince Hippolyte laughed spasmodically as he stood in the porch waiting for the Viscount, whom he had promised to take home. Well, mon cher, said the Viscount, having seated himself beside Hippolyte in the carriage, your little princess is very nice, very nice indeed, quite French and he kissed the tips of his fingers. Hippolyte burst out laughing. Do you know you're a terrible chap for all your innocent airs? continued the Viscount. I pity the poor husband, that little officer who gives himself the airs of a monarch. Hippolyte spluttered again, and amid his laughter said, And you were saying that Russian ladies are not equal to the French? One has to know how to deal with them. Pierre, reaching the house first, went into Prince Andrew's study like one quite at home, and from habit, immediately lay down on the sofa, took from the shelf the first book that came to his hand. It was Caesar's commentaries, and resting on his elbow, began reading it in the middle. What have you done to Mademoiselle Chereur? She'll be quite ill now, said Prince Andrew as he entered the study, rubbing his small white hands. Pierre turned his whole body, making the sofa creak. He lifted his eager face to Prince Andrew, smiled, and waved his hand. The abbe is very interesting, but he does not see the thing in the right light. In my opinion, perpetual peace is possible, but I do not know how to express it. Not by a balance of political power. It was evident that Prince Andrew was not interested in such abstract conversation. One can't everywhere say all one thinks, mon cher. Well, have you at last decided on anything? Are you going to be a guardsman or a diplomatist? asked Prince Andrew after a momentary silence. Pierre sat up on the sofa with his legs tucked under him. Really, I don't yet know. I don't like either the one or the other. But you must decide on something. Your father expects it. Pierre, 
at the age of ten, had been sent abroad with an abbe as a tutor, and had remained away until he was twenty. When he returned to Moscow, his father dismissed the abbe and said to the young man, Now, go to Petersburg, look round, and choose your profession. I will agree to anything. Here's a letter to Prince Vasily, and here's money. Write to me all about it, and I will help you in everything. Pierre had already been choosing a career for three months, and had not decided on anything. It was about this choice that Prince Andrew was speaking. Pierre rubbed his forehead. But must he be a Freemason? said he, referring to the abbe who he had met that evening. That is all nonsense, Prince Andrew again interrupted him. Let us talk business. Have you been to the horse guards? No, I, I have not. But this is what I've been thinking, and I wanted to tell you. There is a war now against Napoleon. If it were a war for freedom, I could understand it and should be the first to enter the army. But to help England and Austria against the greatest man in the world is not right. Prince Andrew only shrugged his shoulders at Pierre's childish words. He put on the air of one who finds it impossible to reply to such nonsense, but it would, in fact, have been difficult to give any other answer than the one Prince Andrew gave to this naive question. If no one fought except on his own conviction, there would be no wars, he said. And that would be splendid, said Pierre. Prince Andrew smiled ironically. Very likely it would be splendid, but it will never come about. Well, why are you going to the war? asked Pierre. What for? I don't know. I must. Besides that, I'm going... He paused. I'm going because the life I'm leading here does not suit me. End of... Chapter 6 Okay, let's talk about inspiration for some of the voices, some of the personalities that I take on in these chapters. For this chapter, I want to focus on the voice of Prince Andrew. You noticed that I took a very resounding voice with Prince Andrew. It was very unemotional and unattached from the rest of the people. And that is because I drew my inspiration from one of my favorite sci-fi anthologies, Star Trek. In particular, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, there is a character on there who also starred in The Next Generation named Lieutenant Commander Worf. Worf is a Klingon. Klingons are known for their gruffness, their adroitness, their brutality, their barbarism, and... Yes, sometimes their neglect to show any, like, real emotion. And when they do show emotion, it is often anger. It is often uh, aggression. And I feel like in this chapter in particular, just the way Prince Andrew is described, he's described as very distant emotionally from everybody else, very tired. He does have a warmness to him towards Pierre, because, I mean, they're friends. But you just kind of... I just kind of get this sense that there's some pent-up conflict within him. Unresolved, of course, as this is only the beginning of War and Peace. 
And we really see that come to a head with his saying to Pierre at the end, when Pierre confronts him about why is he joining the war? Why is he going back? He has a wife who is pregnant. He should be staying with her right now. And Prince Andrew confesses it's because he is not content with where this life, this aristocratic life that he lives, he's not content with it. He doesn't enjoy it. And so with that, I really needed to draw my vocal inspiration from somebody who also felt displaced, who also had internal conflict within him, as we saw in The Next Generation and into Deep Space Nine, with his Klingon heritage versus his human heritage. For Worf was raised by human parents on Earth at the time, I think it was at starting at the age of 10. Somebody else can correct me if I'm wrong. He, so he kind of lost a lot of his Klingon ways. And so a lot of his character story arc focuses on him rediscovering what it means to be Klingon. And you just see that conflict, that, that, that fight that pops up and appears when he encounters somebody from his Klingon past, somebody from his family, his son. And so... That's where I drew my inspiration for Prince Andrew. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Reading Cadence, episode 17. I am your host, Phil Olson. And as they say in show business, that's all he wrote.